something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I won't let my body outweigh. Outweigh everything that I'm made of. Won't spend my life trying to change. I'm learning to love who I am. I am strong. I feel free. I know every part of me is beautiful. And I will always outweigh. If you feel it, put your hands in the air. Show some love to the new while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time. Cause you and I outweigh. Happy Saturday, Outweigh fam. Amy here. And I got a little treat for you today. And it is our OG interview with Kat Defada from Outweigh before Outweigh was even its own podcast. So Lisa is on maternity leave. And I was thinking the other day how Kat is such a big part of our lives now. And Lisa too, for that matter. And kind of just cool how things work out and you meet people. Because I met Lisa on Instagram because she had her program Fork the Noise, which was a instrumental piece to my recovery puzzle. I had struggled with eating disorders and disordered eating patterns and habits since I was a teenager. And Lisa was a big, big reason why I finally had some light bulbs go off because I was so in deep with a lot of disordered behaviors that I actually thought they were healthy. I didn't realize they were disordered. And again, the light bulb kind of went off when I was doing some of Lisa's Fork the Noise curriculum and it all started to make sense and I had to unlearn a lot and rewire my brain. I had already been in the process of that after reading the book Brain Over Binge because binge eating was one of my behaviors. 
but Lisa really helped me. And from that, I thought I had this idea for the Outway podcast. And then we knew we were going to do a four-part series that would live on my Four Things podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown. And that's it. It was just going to be a four-part series. Four Saturdays, we'd release an episode uh, for like the month and we'd be good to go. Call it a day. Well, it ended up going so well that we were like, okay, this is so cool. Outway can be its own podcast. And it's a passion of ours. Like it's not something we were like, oh, this is something where we can have a podcast and make money off of it and different things. No, like if we never made a dime from Outway, it would be amazing because we were able to share so much of our stories and get other people on so that you out there, if you happen to be dealing with any of this on any given day, you can pull up a podcast and know that you're not alone. And I've been able to do that with other podcasts that don't have anything to do with eating disorders. Sometimes I don't even know how you found that way. Are you a, an original listener? Uh, were you searching up eating disorders and our or recovery or disordered eating and, and outweigh came up as an option? And if, if so, welcome. And I hope that this is a good resource, a good tool for you to have in your back pocket if you happen to be going through some things as you're navigating towards recovery or you're trying to stay in recovery or whatever that looks like for you. With the other things I've had in life that don't have anything to do with this, I've searched up podcasts and found some amazing help that way. And I don't even know who these podcasters are, sometimes the guests that they're having on, but what they had to say met me where I was at that moment and it was exactly what I needed. And suddenly I knew it wasn't so isolating. I wasn't alone. So I want you to know that's why we started out way. And in the beginning... We didn't know Kat Defada, and now she's a big part of Outway. She has her own podcast on our network called You Need Therapy. She now co-hosts the fifth thing of my podcast with me called the Amy and Kat Chat. So she's a big part of our podcasting world now, and we wouldn't have met her if Lisa and I hadn't decided to do Outway. And it's so cool that we got to meet her because of that. Lisa flew to Nashville from New York to record for two days straight. And we booked a lot of interviews and had all kinds of things ready to go so that we could just knock it all out in two days and then get everything edited and loaded up and put it up on the podcast for an April release. And so it was March, 2020, right before COVID, we were recording all this. We had no idea that COVID was even coming and was going to rock our world and change our lives forever. But we were at the Bobby Bone Show studio recording and Kat happens to have an office nearby. And she had emailed us saying that she would love to come on as an expert since she's a licensed therapist that specializes in eating disorders. And she walked on over to the studios and she recorded with us. And it was so cool. And I remember thinking like, oh, I just love the way this girl puts stuff and she makes it easy to understand. And she's not intimidating at all, but she's so smart. And she too has had an eating disorder as well. And then now she's trying to help people through it by specializing in it and working with her clients on it and then, yeah, making it a main feature of her podcast. And she's just awesome. So I thought, what a cool thing to do, maybe, because we might have new listeners that have never heard the OG Outweigh episodes. Let's play Kat's original interview with Lisa and myself. So that's what we're going to do right now. The OG Kat Defada interview that we did. And in case you are new, I just want to say the reason why this podcast is called Outweigh is because a life without disordered eating outweighs everything. And I hope if you're not to a place where you truly believe that, that one day you will get there because it is so true. A life without disordered eating outweighs everything. And for so long, for so many years of my life, I prioritized food and obsessing over food 
and exercise and avoiding social gatherings because of food, I was prioritizing everything else. And my relationship suffered and memories that I have, I suffered my anxiety around food. I mean, I was definitely suffering. So just know that you're not alone and that once you can get to a point of truly believing that a life without all this junk will outweigh everything, it'll be awesome. And there is hope because if I can do it, if Lisa can do it, Kat can do it, I don't want to be cliche and say, well, then you can do it because it's not easy and it will take hard work, but you can rewire your brain and you can get there. And my hope is that you do. So right now we're going to play Kat's interview. Here you go. Enjoy. So I love traveling and coming home to my bed because it's comfy and familiar. I love crawling into it. Well, what if you could take your bed on the road with you so that way you got good night's sleep while you're on a trip? And it's not your entire bed, but at least your bedding, which is the best part. Let me introduce you to Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding. Now, Cozy Earth is travel-friendly and hassle-free, and the bedding comes in these adorable totes, which makes it really easy for you to take it on trips with you. They also have really amazing loungewear, so if you're on a long flight, you can stay cool and comfy with Cozy Earth's temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew, and it'll add a touch of style to your travel ensemble as well. So whether you're exploring stuff near or far, take a little bit of home with you. Cozy Earth has everything you need to turn every moment into pure bliss. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code OUTWAY at checkout to get 35% off. And let them know that we sent you after you check out. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So we've got Catherine DeFada in the studio with us. So you're a guest that's actually here in person. A lot of our interviews have been over the phone just because of where people are in the country, but you're right here in Nashville with us, which is super cool. And you're a therapist here in town, but you specialize in eating disorders. I do. And so I talked about it on the podcast and you listened to four things with Amy Brown and you sent me a note and said that if you could be a part of it, just let you know. And we started emailing back and forth and I was like, yes, can you come into the studio and, and let's record some stuff. So, uh, just before we hit record, we were having an off air conversation about eating disorders being an addiction And when I'm trying to talk to my husband about it or when I was eating a lot and I just felt like I couldn't stop and he didn't understand, I would say, and I don't know if I was right in how I was saying it at all, but to me, it felt like, I was like, I don't know. It's like an alcoholic can't stop drinking. I was like, but you can take alcohol out of your life and survive. Like with food, I can't eliminate food from my life because you need food to survive. I just remember that being like some language I would throw out. I'm sure I heard it somewhere. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's comparing mm-hmm. alcoholism is seen as, as an addiction. Yeah. So one of the things that you asked me was, what's the difference between self-work and therapy with an actual therapist? And I thought about it and I actually like had a different answer. And then I was like, that's not right. The difference is the relationship and the relationship between a therapist and a client is like the number one predictor of if it's going to be successful. Like if you hate your therapist, you probably won't get a lot done. So that goes into just attachment theory and and what that means. And do you guys know what that is? No. No. Attachment theory comes from this guy. His name is John Bowlby. And he was doing research in orphanages. And he was noticing that like these babies that were getting everything that they needed, like shelter, food, water, they were dying or they were getting really, really sick, but there was no reason for it except they weren't being touched. So there's no touch at all, which is crazy. And what he came up was that a relationship is necessary to survive. He did a lot of research and there's a lot of stuff that I won't go into because it might be a little bit boring, but he came up with these three attachment styles, secure, anxious, avoidant. And we get those attachment styles based on the relationships we usually have with our primary caregiver. So if I have a really great loving environment and all my needs are met all the time, I'm going to have a secure attachment. But And that's the majority of people, but also I see it on a spectrum too. The majority of people do have a secure yes. relationship? Yeah, that's what they say in the research. Yeah. But yeah. also, You're using air quotes. I'm doing air quotes and they can't see. see. Yeah. That's what they say. However, I think really people are on a spectrum with this. Okay. So, and then anxious attachment would be when sometimes their needs are being met, sometimes they're not. And so you don't know whether to trust or not to trust. And then avoidant is when your needs aren't really being met. And so you kind of develop this idea of like, I got to go do everything on my own. Like I got to go um, figure everything out on my own. 
Okay, I'm going to interject just a second because I do have two adopted children from Haiti. And some people may know that, some people may not, depending on what they've listened to. And I had not heard it described as attachment theory, mm -hmm. but I know that my kids and I've witnessed it. They have attachment disorder. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And the lack of stimulation mm -hmm. that my son had, I now see how it comes out in certain times, like how mm -hmm. he responds and reacts. And then even my daughter... I'm just, this is just, is this even yeah. the same thing? Yes. Like the yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm just making sure we're on the same page. Cause I also want to be aware of like, now that I'm what their primary caregiver, that I'm focused on whatever they're going to need from me, mm -hmm. but there's already walls built. There's already, mm -hmm. my daughter came here at 10. She's 12 now, but day one from her arrival was resistance. I can handle this on my own. I don't need you. She would basically give us the Heisman any time, I mean, it's been two years of breaking it down and we're finally getting there, but there's still testing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really trust you. Mm -hmm. Are you going to really love me? Mm -hmm. What about if I do this? You still yes. going to love me? What if I, okay, I'm going to try this out. And so my husband and I just have to remain consistent. And so, yes, at first when you talked about attachment theory, I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, but yes, I do. Then I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I do know this. But I'm also trying to think of my childhood and how it was with that's, my yeah. that's where it parents. Me. So think like, about wow. this. You've talked about your own like issues with food and disordered eating and all that. I have that. So think about as I explain this kind of where your story pops up. Also, this is going to be helpful because you're probably doing the things you need to do with your children without even knowing that you're doing them just because you're a good caring person. So you can develop a certain attachment style. Good news is it's not static, it's fluid. So going back to just describing this and how it relates to what we were talking about in the beginning is people develop these attachments and they're all based on feeling like loved, like you belong. And so I have developed my own theory that we all are born with these two desires to be ourselves and then to have love and belonging. And throughout our lives, the desire for love and belonging becomes very, 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 very strong. And so we drop parts of ourselves or we pick parts of ourselves or pick things up that aren't really parts of ourselves to get that love and belonging. And so that's when the addiction comes in. I'll use like an example from my life to explain this. So I never felt like I like really, really, really fit in to or had like a thing or was special in certain parts of my friend groups, in certain areas in my family. And so I started to do things to get me attention. I attributed that attention to love, right? I always say like any attention is good attention. So going back to what you said, what's the difference between therapy and self-work is a therapist is what we call a secure base, which helps somebody develop a secure attachment style. So somebody's gonna come into my office probably not knowing that they have any of this or any kind of trauma. I'm going to be that person like you're explaining with your daughter. What if I do this? Will you still love me? What if I yell at you? Can I still come back? What if I miss a session? What if I tell you that you're wrong? What if I disagree with you? Um, what if I act out? What if I relapse in what you told me not to do? Are you still going to let me come back in? And the answer is always yes, 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 with safe boundaries. And it helps them learn that like, hey, I don't have to be a certain way. I can show up as I am and like I can find love. So okay. when you say you were doing things to get attention, mm -hmm. what were those things? So it depends on which part of my life. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the eating, <laughs> eating disorder. disorder. So in college, yeah, it's easy for me to talk about this now. I didn't know that this was happening. No clue, which most people don't. But I started with a diet, counting calories. And again, in my family, all my siblings went and played D1 sports and I just like went to college. 
And so I felt like I was missing something because I didn't have anything that my parents would really brag that much about. No fault to them. My parents are great. And so I went on this diet, started losing all this weight. I was getting tons of attention, like tons. You look so good. This, this, whatever guys like started talking to me more. And so I attribute that to that of like, okay, now I fit in. Now I belong. Belonging is love. I'm good. And then I became a shell of a human. Tap into that a little bit more. What were you feeling at that time? Like what? I mean, first you're yeah. on a high. Well, what does it mean to be a shell? Because you're yeah. certainly yeah. not a shell today. You right. come in with vibrance and exude. Yeah. You're radiant. Yes. Yeah. Um, so just so that people, because really yeah. we're doing this so people don't feel alone. And I feel yeah. like with each person that's sharing part of their real story, which you just did, somebody's relating and they're like, mm-hmm. wait, tell me more. Yeah. I would say people would always describe me as like loud and bubbly and like fun. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Yeah. So that, which I didn't know what the Enneagram was back then. So that's who I always was. So when I started restricting my food, I ended up restricting every single part of my life because I couldn't go to that party because what if I drank alcohol and there's calories in alcohol? And then what if I got drunk and then I wanted to eat something and I ate something I shouldn't eat? That crippled me. Or I can't go to that that restaurant because I can't eat anything there. Then people are going to ask me like, why aren't you eating? And I'm have to come up with some excuse. Or I can't go to that thing at night because I have to get up and work out at 6am and I need my energy. And so I started cutting things out of my life. I remember, so this started my junior year of college, that summer, junior to senior year, I like never left my parents' house when I came home. And I never saw any of my friends from high school, which we were always very close. I remember I did one thing. I went to my best friend from high school's birthday party and then started at her house and they all went out. I think it might have been her 21st birthday. And I went home after her house. Everybody else went out and I went home because I was like, I can't do that. So the thing that got me all this attention all of a sudden, then I was like, what's the point of the attention? Because I'm not letting myself engage with anybody. And then I came back that next year, my senior year, and I didn't do anything. I didn't. I was in a sorority. I like would skip some of our date parties or I would go. I remember... One time, I also, like, was really into school. I, like, went to a party. It was a swap, so it's one that you would, like, dress up, like, and wear a costume. And I, like, loved doing that. And I, like, took my note cards to the bar and, like, studied for my test. You just, like, withdrew and lost interest in all the things that you love to do. Mm -hmm. My friends did not love that. So that's a part where Mm -hmm. that's just part of your story Mm -hmm. of what you did to get attention, to feel belonging. But then you realize, like, it's kind of like it goes up, up, up. And it's like, this is where I'm getting belonging and love. And then all of a sudden you just, it's like we just, I think it happened to all of us. And you crash and burn because you realize you have nothing around you. And what is this for? Yeah. So then what do you do? Well, and I love looking back at this because I don't know y'all's experiences, but from my experience, I had no clue that I was struggling. So like not a clue. I thought I was like on top of the world. Like this actually makes you want to cry. But my senior year, I thought that I was killing it. Like I'd gotten into all these graduate programs. I was like going to go do all these things. And looking back, like another thing I did that I have so much grief over is I skipped my last date party ever to come back to Nashville and run the half marathon. I can run that marathon whenever I want. I can never go back and have my last party with my best friends. I did not know that. I, I still was like, yeah, I'd rather go run this marathon. This is my lifestyle. I'm healthy. I don't like to drink. Mm-hmm. Almost like this grandiose sense of self. Mm-hmm. The, the healthy yes. high horse. That was yes. so us. Yeah. Yes. Coming up for yeah. Oh my gosh. All and the, I yeah. probably was. more judgy. I was a brat. Yeah. Yes. Oh, <laughs> like probably because. Yeah. Yeah. Because Me I would too. judge what people are eating. You're going to eat that. And I'm like, in my head, I wish I could eat that. 
Like, I wish I could eat that. But I have eating disorders. We talk a lot about how you have so much control. I had no control. None. Right. Well, it was like, not like I could eat that. Like, wow, look at me. I have so much willpower for not eating that. Yeah. But I don't really think I did have willpower because if I had willpower, I would eat a donut. But that's what people would say to me. I'm like, I wish I could be like Catherine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't want to be like me. Yeah. I know, because they don't really know the struggle. That's yeah. why it's important, and we'll reiterate it now since it's kind of coming up. That's why it's important. You never know what's going on inside someone's body. Yeah. You might think it's all, they've got it all figured out and their life is together, and then you can reinforce their behavior by complimenting something about their body, and then that keeps them on that hamster mm-hmm. wheel, and really, you have no idea you contributed to the problem. Yeah. Just by giving yeah. a compliment, we've been trying to just get it into people, and even myself, oh. over and over to stop complimenting on people's yeah. bodies. There's so many other things that we could probably compliment that like do that's not necessary. So can I tell a story yeah. real quick? So this is why I started to look at before I really got into being like a eating disorder therapist. This is like I have shame about this now, but again, I'm trying to not have that. I went to grad school. I went to Vanderbilt in Nashville and thinking I was going to be eating disorder therapist. And guess what I wanted to specialize in? I wanted to work with specifically binge eating disorder and help them lose weight. Which is not how you do, that's not. Well, okay, I could understand not understanding. Not understanding, yes. Now yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Maybe explain why though that That wouldn't doesn't be. <laughs> yeah, that may not. Go hand in hand. Yeah, because okay. I know more of that because I've been doing, I've been working alongside people like yeah. Lisa where y'all understand why that would be bad, but someone else might not get why that's right. probably not like the best thing. So it's not about the weight. And so with binge eating disorder, there's something else going on. And if I help them lose weight, their issues aren't going away. Like the reason that they're binging, which would be the reason why any of us do a behavior that we would classify as an addiction. It's not about the alcohol. It's not about the food. It's not about any of that. It's about what's underneath of it. And so, yeah, it might be a side effect that if these people do the work and I help them through whatever it is that they're trying to work through, they might lose weight, but that's not the goal. Because if I just take the weight away, everything else is still there. And most people that are in it don't see it as a underlying problem. Like they see it as either a binge problem. I can't stop when I eat. Or they see it as a weight problem. I'm overweight because I eat. Mm -hmm. Not going any deeper into why. Do you think that there's anything to the, the binging and it being like in the brain? We've touched on brain over binge. But there's there's obviously with what you're saying with the addiction at all coming back to attachment and love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like all goes back to some of that mm-hmm. in a way. But for me, I mean, I know that I had issues with my dad leaving when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that I also was introduced to dieting at an extremely young age. And I know when I started dieting and then that led to restriction and binging. But I didn't really realize I was binging at the time. Because right. I didn't know really, I mean, it's in high school. But then I knew I would overeat. So then I would purge. But it wasn't all of the time, but I knew that it was wrong. Even so that I went to my mom and said, I need help. I'm throwing up and I don't know where this came from or why, but I, I need help with this. So then she got me into therapy and then that led to therapy all through high school and college. But it was always just focused on my dad having left. Mm -hmm. Nothing ever resonated with me. And then I quit throwing up for years But what I realized in there is I was still binging the whole time. But again, I knew that it was not right because I was like, I just went to literally like four different fast food restaurants in like one stop. Like that's not normal. Mm -hmm. So or if I was on a road trip somewhere, I'd stop at like multiple gas stations and like just eat 
the entire two hours. If the, that was my drive from Austin to College Station, mm-hmm. which is where I went to Texas A&M. So I remember a lot of those road trips was I ate the entire time, whether it was a gas station, Sonic, like I had different stops and I would just go through and be like, okay. And then the next day I would just do slim fast or something, but it never, I was still in therapy at that point, but it never was getting anywhere other than somehow I just stopped the throwing up and it was gone, but I kept the binging. And then when I read brain over binge, I've been telling Lisa, like it just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. She talks about rewiring your brain and that you just go to a binge and you have to start denying the binges because I started restricting at such a young age. It trained my brain that I it didn't know when I was going to get food again. So it kept forcing me to overeat and then I would binge. And so I started implementing that of over a year ago and that worked for me. And that was the first thing where it really made sense. Now I'm sure there's underlying issues with yeah. what's going on, but I do want to talk to you about how that worked for me But about five years ago when my mom died, even though I had not purged in 12 years, I had binged, but not purged the day after my mom died, I ate dinner and then I had to go throw it up. Mm -hmm. And I literally, and it was not an easy thing. It was my sister's birthday the day after my mom died and her in-laws decided to get a food truck. And we have, I mean, otherwise, I mean, there's food at the house everywhere, but we just were not eating. But then it was like my sister's birthday. So I felt like I had to eat from the food truck and I had to eat the cake. So I ate it. And then something about me literally, and there were so many people at my sister's house. I went over to a neighbor's guest house and I threw up in their bathroom. Mm. <laughs> like it wasn't easy for me to like make this happen. But somehow I, f- I was desperate to get that food out of my body and I hadn't even overeaten. And that started it again, just like that. It was back. And I probably, it was a daily thing. Then it was like every other day. Then it was like, and now sound now that, you know, you brought up that it's eating disorders can be addictions. It sounds like an alcoholic returning to alcohol. Yes. Where all of a sudden you need that whatever and you go and find it and then, okay, I'll just do it this one time. And then you slowly kind of trickle back into the same thing. Okay. But I don't even know that I was like, I felt like it was an out-of-body experience when I was doing it. I don't think I had the rational rationale to be like, okay, it's just going to be this one time. I was just like, I did it. And then I was like, what was that? And I was so freaked out by it that just like I went to my mom in high school, I went to my husband almost immediately. And I'm like, here's the deal. You've been married to me and I haven't thrown up our entire marriage. So you don't know this side of me, but now I'm terrified and it's here. And I feel like an alcoholic that has just lost their chip. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I said to him. And he was like, okay, well, we can do this. Like whatever you need. And I would say there was a lot of times where after, I mean, he would come home and he'd be like, how was your day? And I would be like, even a year after my mom died or two years, Mm -hmm. there would still be discussions. How was your day? I'd say my day was fine, except for I threw up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would be able, I'm thankful for a relationship where I could be honest with him about that, but I still was so perplexed why it was happening. And now I've been over a year That's without awesome. anything, binges or purges. Mm-hmm. So I feel that, but I have to share with you a revelation I had with Lisa, but I don't even know if it makes sense. And since you're a therapist, <laughs> I'm going to take advantage. Okay. Do I need to pay you for the hour? Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper 
into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I told Lisa, I said it just didn't, I went to therapy, obviously I did EMDR, after my mom died, because it's very traumatic for me. She did not die. It was not easy. She had cancer. I saw a lot that I, I shouldn't see mm-hmm. and laid with her in her final breath, me and my sister both. And then, I don't know if this is healthy or not, but we probably laid with her for about an hour after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the coroner people were like, uh, we're here. 
time to load her up. And we're like, we're not done yet. So, you know, whatever that looks like for you, Mm -hmm. that's what we needed. But we definitely, my sister and I both saw a lot and it was traumatic. And then, you know, here I am the next day throwing up the food and I'm not knowing why. And I'm telling this to my therapist and she's like, well, that's trauma. And the last trauma you had in your life was when your dad left. And that was when your younger eating disorder kind of started. I'm like, well, not exactly. But I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that like that would just make me do it. But then I had this thought because I think something Lisa talked about or somebody talked about that like I really felt because I was grieving and this also could be related to attention since you said that. Mm -hmm. And this is just me having to get completely honest and almost like embarrassed that like what? Because it's not like it was a very conscious thought out decision like, mm-hmm. oh, I need attention. So this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. This is almost like five years later, I'm just having to look back and be like, oh, yuck. Was that really what this was? Because what makes sense to me now is that I felt like I was grieving. And if you're grieving, you're supposed to lose weight. If you're grieving, you're not supposed to have food because you're sad and sad people don't eat and sad people get skinny. And if I get skinny, I get attention which is exactly what happened. I mean, there was not a single person in my life that did not comment on my body like about a month after my mom died because I did get very thin and I would weigh myself every single day. Mm -hmm. I would drink juice in the morning, purge, whatever. I would do yoga twice a day. Also, I was trying to keep busy to not think about my mom. I would do wine and Xanax for bed so it would knock me out and I wouldn't think about food. And I would, but nobody knew this was happening to me. But I would still come to work the next day and someone from would be visiting from, you know, another city that hadn't seen me in a while and be like, oh, my gosh, Amy, you look so good. And then I'd be like, thank you. And then but I'd be like, yes, I'm grieving. I'm doing a good job grieving. I'm doing a good job grieving because I lost my mom and I need you to recognize that I'm sad. My skinny represents my sadness and that gives me attention. Yeah, it sounds very twisted and messed up to say out loud. I I feel that makes more sense to me than when the therapist told me she thought like a trauma capsule opened in my head. And because that's how I dealt with my dad leaving, that's immediately the route my my brain was going to go to deal with losing my mom. And I just don't know that that makes sense to me. Thank you for sharing that. I think it your therapist could be right. There, part of it could be. This is the thing with therapy and like men. There's no just like one way. So that's why I mean, eating disorders and addiction in general is hard because I can't just say it's every time because of this. A lot of times it's because of this. There could have been the trauma part, but I think what you're talking about is probably attached to your trauma of not getting the attention and the love and the belonging from your dad. And then now this is like your mom, like your secure base, right? Mm-hmm. Your person. Mm-hmm. And then she's gone. And then like, who's my person and who's going to recognize or who's going to know what I need or who's going to, all of that comes up of like, you lost your secure base. So what do I do? You're sad, right? Part of it is I hear you saying like, I want people to see my sadness. I think part of it also is like, I don't want to feel sad either. And so what can I do to shove down all of these feelings? Because it feels good when I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. It's twisted as it is. Like it feels good to purge. It feels good to go on a run for two hours. It feels for a period of time. even just binge. It feels good to binge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Until it doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Until it doesn't. And at the beginning, yes, it was like this 
high in this ride and until mm-hmm. it got messy and it was just exhausting. And I was like, I can't keep up. Or if I would try to throw up and it didn't work. And then I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I just ate all that food. Like, Can I and ask it's you, not coming up. Like it was just. Tell me about like the embarrassment of like, this is so messed up. I feel embarrassed that this is what I did. I think because I could be wrong on this, but if we're for the sake of our conversation of viewing uh, eating disorder as an addiction and alcohol's addiction, I feel like for lack of a better word, being addicted to cocaine or alcohol is a little more sexy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the right word for the sake of this. I'm just going to say binging a bunch of food Mm -hmm. and then throwing it up for whatever the reason is, is disgusting. To me, I'm never, I don't look at, and it could just be me thinking that about myself. I'm not saying that about anybody else. I'm saying it literally about myself. I'm sure there's shame associated with anything that you're addicted to, but I feel like, gosh, if I was addicted to cocaine, nobody would be like, oh, you're disgusting. They'd be like, oh, wow, that's crazy. She needs to get some help. But I'm like, if they knew what I was addicted to and that I was doing this, they'd be like, she's so disgusting. So that's my own thought process is it's not as... You putting it out here right now on this is breaking down that factor of shame. And I think like even on Instagram, like anxiety became so popular to talk about, but like depression was in the cloud of like this shit thing you can't talk about. And I recently talked about something that I never said either, which was laxative abuse and flooded with messages, not comments on my private, on my public Instagram page, private messages of me too. So there is something super secretive still about the purging, whether it is up or down, that people are still not acknowledging, but you right here saying it is showing that there is no disgust to it. There is no shame, especially you as Amy Brown. Right. Cause yeah. I wouldn't want anybody else sharing to, f- I would say that same thing to them. I'm but just, we're breaking it down. We're you bra- just broke it down yeah. for so, so many people. I'm becoming more vocal about my story. I think that on the radio years ago, it may be come up that I had dealt with an eating disorder mm-hmm. in high school and college. It was kind of like, I could relate on that level. Never would talk about the issues with food or binging or obsession, food obsession mm-hmm. for all these years. That just doesn't come up organically. Mm-hmm. Then after the stuff with my mom, oh my gosh, I kept, I mean, I told my husband about it, but I was very private about it. Like very until now recently, I feel like I'm in a better place and I don't want people to feel alone and I need to start sharing that part of my story. So a lot of things I haven't said out loud yet, like what I just shared, I haven't fully said out loud in the whole, in its entirety. And so, and as I don't even, I'm still probably not all giving it all. I feel good. I mean, I feel like I've been like, there's a couple of times where I'm like, okay, smiling inside because it does feel good. There's a little bit of a high from it, but also I was at a low where I was taken back to it and I was very sad for myself and I was about to cry, but trying to keep it together for the sake of the being one of the hosts here, (laughs) but in crying is okay. I have no issue crying on air, done that plenty of times. So I'm I'm sad for that, that part of me. I want to tell you a story. Okay. One, I have to say this because this is huge. This is a side note. But when people talk about this stuff, I mean, what you were saying, it is huge because, yeah, people will talk about anorexia and restricting Uh and my exercise addiction. They won't talk about the other stuff. And it's not any better at all. And what you're talking about is shame. I feel shame for what I did. And what shame feeds off of is your silence. 
in secrets. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about it more, the shame kind of gets, you starve the shame. So the shame dies. So true. And so that's a big deal because I'm sure there's one million bajillion trillion people that are going to hear that and be like, oh my gosh, I felt that way too. Is it okay for me to talk about this? I think I'm going to try it. The other part is, this is the story I was going to tell 15 minutes ago, but I'm glad I'm telling it Mm -hmm. now because there's this doctor, his name is Dr. Gabor Mate, and he does a lot of research and stuff around addiction. He was working with heroin addicts and he was trying to figure out, he was working in a center where harm reduction, so it's like, we're not going to, you're not going to get sober. We're going to teach you how to responsibly use. Mm -hmm. But he was going around and interviewing these men and women of like, why are you, why do you use heroin? We know that's bad. We know that can kill you. And he went to this one guy and he described him the way I remember him describing him is as this, like, almost like he would look like a big bouncer at like a club with like bald head, big guy, tattoos, like tough. And he said, can you tell me what heroin does for you? Like, why do you use it? And he said, I don't really know how to describe it, but have you ever been sick and your mom puts you on her lap and she wraps you up in a blanket and she starts feeding you chicken noodle soup? He's like, that's what heroin feels like. So this guy concluded, oh, love. Like that's what heroin feels like, love. It feels like a warm Safety. hug. Mm-hmm. And so I tell that story because like there is so much shame and like, why do I do these things that are so bad? And I'm like, what, what's wrong with me is what I hear all the time. Like, Catherine, what is wrong with me? And I'm like, nothing is wrong with you. There's actually something right with you. Like, Amy, there is something right with you. The fact that you're like, I, there's something wrong with me. I want to feel better. I need to go do this thing that I know that used to help me feel better. That means that there's something right with you that you are trying to find. Like, we all need attention. We all need love. We all need belonging. We are born attached to our mothers. Like, we need attachment. We're born that way. And so I just say that because I think a lot of people think to themselves, like, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I stop? It's like, because you're a healthy human that wants to get better. And thank God that you did that rather than like just being like, take me away life. Like, yeah, and you turn to your husband too, which is yeah. like telling, I think, I mean, I'm not the yeah. best, but no. like that's your secure attachment now. Can you yeah. say that? Can you yeah. have a secure With an, It can be any, it can be anybody. Yeah. That's your secure attachment. So it's like, help me. Well, thank you for letting me talk through that. Yeah. That I session. I feel like we just made a lot of clarity that it, we needed. Yeah. I didn't know where, where we would, go with that for sure. But I think that this is, how do you feel, Lisa? Do you have anything you want to add from your I think that the audience will feel like I did where we might not have your exact story or maybe you do. There's plenty of people who have have purged for that exact reason. But I feel like I've made headway in my understanding of myself (laughs) far beyond my even years in therapy just Mm -hmm. by understanding the importance of secure attachment and personally not having that growing up either, Mm -hmm. despite what it looked like. Um, and how we go about seeking attention because we're mm. scared. Not We don't feel safe. And there's a million ways to do that. But for a large majority of us, with the addition of the emphasis on thin equals loved equals health equals applause, mm-hmm. it's an easy one kind of right next to it. So what do you do with your clients? Mm-hmm. What is something we can, can leave as like, is there like an activity or uh, like affirmations or something you encourage them 
to do that those that are listening that might be some of the stuff we've talked about today is resonating with them like yeah. is there like some stuff they can like a piece of homework or something my gut just says if this is really resonating with somebody I want them to reach out and go to therapy that could be great yeah. advice that might be <laughs> it because some people see that there's shame in therapy and mm-hmm. we should make sure that we're here to say that there's not yeah, there is 100%. nothing wrong with that at all whatsoever and but, something that you say on your Instagram all the time that I am not a therapist but I've been in therapy my whole life is there doesn't have to be be something something wrong with you you to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even if you don't identify with the purging or even an eating disorder and you're just listening to this, I mean, I have found that my most profoundly huge steps forward in Mm -hmm. therapy have been on days where I didn't come discussing a trauma Mm -hmm. or anything relevant to my life. I think it's just a tool to better get to know your total being. And that is profoundly huge in how it will affect everything in your life. What about a piece of homework for people um, that you had said earlier is, you know, which so second nature for us to comment on somebody's body. What are some things that people can maybe for the next week work on? I believe in like human connection. I think Mm -hmm. the more we talk to people and out loud, the more connected we feel like being in an Uber even. And Mm -hmm. it's so easy to just be on your phone the whole time, but even interacting with an Uber driver or taxi driver. I live in the city. What are ways that people can compliment people this week that are non-appearance based. Yeah. How can we push them to talk to people and say things that they, what are some some things we can say to start conversation with strangers or loved ones? You know what I, I want to come back? This actually comes from your last week's episode. Um, what did Kelsey say about if you think it and it's nice, say it? Oh, if it's mm-hmm. kind, say it's it. It's kind, say it. So because, just to clarify, since this is a completely, this is a different series, but, and it's yeah. airing in April, but I do have, I had an interview back in March with Kelsey Ballerini on mm-hmm. the four things podcast. So you're referencing something that's yes. who said it yes. just so that we were just talking about empowering women. And Kelsey was just saying, you know, one thing I've learned is if it's kind, say it, like mm-hmm. who cares if you know the person or who, if you don't know them, if it's mm-hmm. kind, if you think it, if you think it and it's kind, say, say it. it. That's exactly what she said. So I would say that with a caveat, if it's about the shape of their body. So, um, because again, you never know if that is a point of contention for somebody. But I, one of the things that I've worked on, because I actually am like a introverted extrovert, which doesn't make a lot of sense. I think um, I am too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. We all are. But like, I sometimes don't, I like go into a place and I'll like think all of these things about, I won't ever say anything because I'll just kind of keep to myself and wait for somebody to approach me. But I think something that we can work on is like when we see somebody and if we're just happy to see somebody say, it's good to see you. Like I've missed you means a lot to me. Or rather than being like, oh my God, girl, you look so good. You look so happy. I think that a lot of the time when we do compliment somebody's weight or body change, it's because we've become so that's, this is an okay thing to say to somebody that you might not even know. Mm-hmm. And so you might actually be thinking this person looks happy. Yeah. But it's a weird thing to say, hey, girl, you look happy. So let me say, did you lose weight? Like, I think that yeah. we actually are seeing, Amy, again, going back to the radiance in people. But it might feel strange to say you look radiant because it's not a, a normal mm-hmm. exchange. Like, you look good, right? Like, yeah. So I think diving into your psyche yeah. of, okay, maybe you think this person looks good. That's the first thing. Why do they look good? What are they, they look good giving off? They're fitting the standards of what yeah. society tells us looks good. Yeah. Because if society didn't say that, like, what would we think? Like, I always say we are the decider of our own opinions. So we get to actually decide that, like, which a lot of people would be like, yeah, duh. But then I'm like, well, do you think that because the person next to you thinks that? Or do you think that because you really think that about yourself mm-hmm. or about other people? And I use the example of 
I pulled out a peanut butter sandwich and started eating it and you were like, ew, peanut butter. But I'd be like, I don't like it anymore either. <laughs> it's the same thing as like if somebody's like, I don't like your shirt. Like, yeah. well, I you're allowed to still like it. If somebody thinks that you look whatever, you can still think you look good. If society says that you are not. Right. We need to stop questioning ourselves yeah. based off of others opinions yeah. whether it's as profound as your body or insignificant as your shirt right. or peanut butter sandwich. or peanut butter Catherine, thank you for coming to talk so with us if you think it and it's kind <laughs> say it which yeah. comes from both Catherine it doesn't come from me I can't take credit yeah, Kelsey the, yeah. Kelsey it said it but I don't that's know if the, she said it she got it from somewhere yeah or, I always say make it easy to be kind to yourself so going along with that is like, make it easy to be kind to other people too. Like mm-hmm. all you have to do is go up to somebody and say, hi, how are you? And you can start a conversation that could make somebody's day. Exchanging a smile every now and yeah. then. Yeah. People may not remember what you say, but they remember how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. Amen. Good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Catherine, let's throw out your Instagram yeah. you do, so people can follow you. Can you say it real quick? Yeah. It's at three chords therapy. So three is spelled like the word. T-H-R-E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then my website is threechordstherapy.com too. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for yeah. taking time to talk thank with you. us. Thank you. It's fun. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.